And we are recording, and we are live, and here we go. Today on Podcast Them Down, we're going to find out how useless Tom Bombadil is. Welcome to Podcast Them Down. I'm Tim Regan from U.S. power metal band Burning Shadows, Fade to Black Metallica Tribute, Dual Violin Folk Metal Band Eisenmore, and recently vacated Graves True Zombie Metal. Be sure to subscribe, like, or follow. And now, on with the show. I can never find the button. There it goes. Oh no, I hope it doesn't play again. Hey, so, all right. We're on episode, I lost track of Podcast Them Down. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to talk about Tom Bombadil. So, he is a character from Lord of the Rings. And uh, I'm, I'm joined by, let's see, I'm doing everything out of order already. I'm joined by Dave from Burning Shadows and Matt, and who is not from Burning Shadows. <laughs> not at all. Uh, Matthew, nope. Matthew's got a very rare and kind of sought after pedigree when it comes to the music surrounding this podcast as, as some of the more diehard burning shadows and recently vacated graves fans might know mm-hmm, that's that true provided not just the voice but the true spirit of santa claus on several it's a death metal xmas volumes in the mid 2000s uh so that's that's the project to which matt is affiliated Another fun fact about me related to Burning Shadows is that at every gig I fired Greg and then one day it turned out to be true. (laughs) Yes, our our entire HR department over here. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) So what what happened? Uh, Matt sent me a video from the YouTube channel Nerd of the Rings, which, by the way, I've been... uh, I've been obsessed with ever since he sent me the video. And it was... It was uh, basically speculating on the nature of Tom Bombadil. And Matt said, this is an excellent analysis of a terrible character. So I forwarded that link and what she said to Dave. And Dave got all upset. And I said, save it for the podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> I, think, I think I drunkenly asserted that I would debate Matt anywhere and any time when I received this, uh, this message. And so, so here we are now. Clearly, debates about nerdery is going to be part of this podcast now because you you know mm-hmm. all metalheads are nerds. <laughs> so yeah, nothing says heavy metal like yelling about Tom Bombadil for like forty minutes. Well, you know, in I I don't know if you're trying to make a joke because in parts of Finland and Germany that is a hundred percent true. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I mean, that was just a wry observation. I wasn't trying to be funny at all. <laughs> okay, so who is Tom Bombadil? So uh, this is from a very uh, respected source, Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, here's some excerpts from the uh, from the from the from the article <laughs> in Fellowship of the Ring. Tom Bombadil helps Frodo Baggins and his companions on their journey. Period. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Wikipedia. <laughs> so, um, basically, he's, he's that, just... That's some... actually... That actually makes Tom Bombadil uh, seem more helpful and more interesting than he really is. 
like so I would like right out of the gate. I like this. Yeah. Like this, <laughs> this sentence, this sentence in the fellowship of the ring, Tom Bombadil helps Frodo Baggins and his companions on their journey is itself. I think a Trump level lie. <laughs> well, let me read the next three paragraphs. And okay, then, sure. sure. And then, and then we can, cause this, this is, uh, this will explain some of this. Tom first appears when Merry and Pippin, who are hobbits, <laughs> are trapped in the old forest by Old Man Willow, an, an evil tree in Tom's forest. So I guess he has a forest. And Frodo and Sam cry for help. Odd that mm. Sam would cry. That's out of character yeah. for him. That's usually <laughs> so, a Frodo move, right? <laughs> so Tom commands Old Man Willow to release them, singing him to sleep. The so just to review, hold on, again, again, I just got to jump in here. Uh, when we first meet Tom Bombadil, the one thing he's able to do is put a tree to sleep. And much like trees around Tom Bombadil, I feel feel very similar, you know, like when I... When I read Tom Bombadil, uh, you know, I love the Lord of the Rings. I, I, I've loved it since I was a kid. But even then, even at the bright young age of 12, I skipped past Bombadil songs, Bombadil chapters. And, and it's just just that's, you know, saving someone who's trapped in a tree by singing and putting the tree to sleep, I think, encapsulates who and what Tom Bombadil is. So I think I, I, think I see find, the anger growing in Dave already. I think we're going to find a lot of common ground here because I agree that his first act on the scene in singing the old man Willow to sleep is in fact quite emblematic of Tom Bombadil and who he is as a character. Whoops. Right. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. So, but, but I think that the value judgment we attach might be slightly different. So, the hobbits then spend two nights in Tom Bombadil's house. Here it is seen that the one ring has no power over Bombadil. He can see Frodo when the ring makes him invisible to others and can wear it himself with no effect. He even tosses the ring into the air and makes it disappear, but then produces it from his other hand and returns it to Frodo, just like some uncle doing, yeah. doing a magic trick. <laughs> It's just a he, he did the quarter behind the ear trick. <laughs> the idea of giving him the ring for safekeeping is rejected in book two's second chapter, The Council of Elrond. Gandalf says, uh, rather, that the ring has no power over him and believes that Tom would not find the ring to be very important and might and so might simply misplace it. Before sending the hobbits on their way, Tom teaches them a rhyme <laughs> to summon him if they fall into danger again within his borders. This proves fortunate, as the four are trapped by a barrow white. As After rescuing them, Tom gives each hobbit a long dagger taken from the treasure in the barrow. He refuses to pass the borders of his own land, but he directs uh, he directs them to the Prancing Pony Inn at Bree. So it sounds like, just like in Skyrim, they're off on a mission, and then there's the little cave notification, so you go down there and you have to fight things and get treasure. <laughs> so. mm -hmm. I mean, I think, I think again, we can uh, recognize as Tom Bombadil as, like, the original kind of, like, 
wandering uh, uh, NPC in an RPG who provides very little information, uh, who you spend your time by like slashing at with your with your axe or your diamond blade, and he'll say, "Stop that, good sir," and then you move along off to your actual adventure. You know, and and you're fortunate because you never actually have to remember that Tom Bombadil was part of this fucking thing to begin with. So. If we can take the tree relationship a little bit further, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we can. Did you I like play, that uh, you're dying on this hill. Did you play Fallout 3? I, 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 you know, I haven't played any video game since 1999. I think the last video game I played was on an N64. All right. So there's a sentient tree. That's where I'm going with this. And basically your assertion is uh-huh. that Tom Bombadil is to the Lord of the Rings what Harold is to Fallout. Okay. I I mean, I, I've never Harold seen Fallout, true. but the very fact that Harold is a tree, I, I, I just believe him to be more interesting and well-written than Tom Bombadil. I mean, there, there is a quest that's associated with Harold, and you do get to learn a little bit more about the lore of, uh, you know, the wasteland and all that, but... Oh, that's so. Wait, so by interacting with this tree, you learn something that you didn't know that's then useful. Right, exactly. Well, I mean, it's okay. So again, better than Tom Bombadil. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say useful. Like it's a standalone little quest. And now that you know, like that Harold had as a child some. I don't know. It was so impactful that I remember it this clearly. But I don't know. There's some like mutant virus issue with the tree. So, so he gives you exposition that's about yeah, something go. other than him, himself, right? Yeah, so, so he doesn't, he doesn't just, well, I mean, the tree, it just talks about yeah. the tree and he sings a tree, of, like he talks about Herodillo and just makes a bad rhymes, like uh, not even rhymes per se, but just like sing songy nonsense. So I guess maybe I just have a soft spot for Tom Bombadil because I have a tendency to sing song nonsense around the house. Um, hey, I've, I have no problem with the songs in Lord of the Rings. Uh, I think it's a great part of the mythos. However, I have a problem with Tom Bombadil songs. And I was I was going to do this a little later, but let me just read you one of Tom Bombadil's songs. <clears throat> hey, hey, doll, Mary doll, ring-a-dong dillo, ring-a-dong hop-along, fa-la-willow, tom-bomb, jolly tom, Tom Bombadillo. I mean, that that is just, you know, I've always known that Tolkien was a, a genius and master of language. And just there, I think, encapsulates his many years of scholarship. The true wordsmith, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a reason why every work of fantasy since 1950 has been a ripoff. Of, of Tolkien and even more that's why every major work of fantasy from uh, from uh, Game of Thrones to the Robert Jordan Wheel of Time has had a very clear and 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 purposeful analog of Tom Bombadil that's why so many so many adaptations and directors who have who have taken this Tolkienian vision have said you know what we don't care about Faramir, but we got to include Tom Bombadil. Let's have, you know, any famous actor play him. Well, see, there's the trouble. You can't have a famous actor play Tom Bombadil because he's virtually unplayable. If you read the description of him, he is a youthful looking dude with white hair, giant blue coat, yellow boots, this wild hat. I mean, so, I mean, alone is impossible to cast. You, you, you put. Find he's got a hat like that. 
I mean, you, you, you go to the uh, I'm sure they made a curious George film at some time. You get the man in the yellow hat. You get his hat. I mean, you can't do this now, but you could do it when when Peter Jackson was filming Lord of the Rings. You get you get a uh, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. You stick the hat on him and you have him jump around. And there's your Tom Bombadil. All right. Actually, that's not too bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to give you a point for that one. Let's go back to the uh, let's go back to the nation of song. Right. All right. And all right. Tom Bombadil's shitty little songs. Yeah. Um, now, I didn't do the work to go into any of the etymological significance of any of his nonsense syllables. But uh, let's postulate that I did and further postulate that those nonsense syllables are the basis of all magic that we have in Tolkien's universe. Right. Because mm, okay, okay. at the creation during, you know, the, the, the music of the Ainur and the notion that he gives us at that moment that song can influence the physical world. Uh, mm, that okay. Vision is put forth through the Ainur and that Melkor's, Melkor's own discord is then made physical form through his song. Tom further goes on to, you know, explain to the hobbits during their dinner at his house that his songs are the strongest. Now, uh, I'm shamelessly taking this from our, our uh, the Nerd of the Rings, uh, excuse me, YouTube video. But that's an important link between the initial creation music and the ability to influence the world that the lesser beings have. So, like, we can debate all day long what Tom is, whether he is an Ainur or a Maya or whatever. But the fact is that his ridiculous little songs are responsible for girding his land and taking care of what is important to him. In the same way that Gandalf attempts to speak words of power when dealing with the Balrog and, uh, you know, we hear all of these, at least, I'm sorry, in the films, at least, if I can cross over from source material, Arwen does the same thing at the Fords, speaking into existence the water and the horses running down the riders. Yeah, and I think I think it's very true that in the Tolkien mythos, you know, words, songs are, are very important, are very powerful, and that's why I just like to remember, you know, the great and powerful words of Tom Bombadil: "Hey, come, dairy doll, hop along, my hearties, hobbits, ponies, all. We are fond of parties. Let the fun begin. Let us sing together." I mean, that you know, I think I think of power there. I think of you know, I think of majesty, <laughs> and and I I really think that's you know that's I I. Have have to concede that point that you know that's just not only brilliant but also beautiful so this is a situation for me where the ends are more significant than the means because Tom, uh, okay these ridiculous little tunes is able to lift these hobbits not only out of the pits of this tree but out of the imminent despair and fear that they feel at the beginning of their quest you know they spend two days there and frodo talks about how glad he is that it rained on the second day so they wouldn't have to set out any sooner than they were already bound to do but what hmm. powerful magic to just free their spirits, if only for those two days while they were within his realm. Well, I, I, I all of his wild, uh, you know, ridiculous traipsing songs over the Barrow Downs when he comes to rescue them and then they have their naked playtime. 
Well, I, I think I think we need to talk about the Bear Down separately, but I would like to talk a little bit about uh, about their time in Tom Bombadil's house. And I think Fredo is being very kind uh, when he's he's happy that it rains on the second day. And I actually read that passage as as very sarcastic, Frodo. Oh, great. It's raining. Now we get to stay another day. Um, you know, I think Tom Bombadil is so boring uh, that, you know, first of all, uh, his wife, his wife, who we don't see very much in, in, you know, his, his, his weird kind of realm, but his wife literally decides, you know, her choices are live in a river or live with Tom Bombadil. And, you know, that's not much of a choice to begin with. Um, but, but further, I think the very fact that time seems to mystically um, disappear. So like when Frodo is going to the Undying Lands, he compares the experience of leaving everything he cares about and loves uh, and life as he know it to set off into the grim unknown, the gray havens. They don't sound very pleasant, like going to Tom Bombadil's house. So, so I think the key here is that um, Tom Bombadil, uh, his, his realm being with Tom Bombadil is like praying for a death that will never come, kind of like an extension of life uh, that's being stretched beyond meaning, beyond enjoyment, uh, beyond anything. And and again, I think just to, to cap that off, I, I think we need to, to listen to Tom's own words. Ho, Tom Bombadil, Tom Bombadillo, by water, wood, and hill, by reed and willow, by fire, sun, and moon, hearken now and hear us. Come, Tom Bombadil, for our need is near us. Yeah. I will concede, this is not Tolkien's finest rhyme in terms of rhythm. Some of the cadence of Tom Bombadil's songs are just little more than takes a little more twisting to make it come out even than anyway tim what's next so all right oh <laughs> uh, first of all i just i do want to say this is the easiest episode for me ever and i want to do this all the time <laughs> well i've been anyway. watching a lot of star trek so uh Oh, 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 nice. You can do that. <laughs> I, I think we need to have a long conversation about whether Somewhere Out in Space by Gamma Ray is actually about Star Trek. <laughs> because, I, anyway, that's a different... I gotta go look at his lyrics. You know, I am a professional historian, so I'm also able to talk about sabotage songs. <laughs> <laughs> and as a Jewish person... <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good debate right there. <laughs> Is Sabaton okay? This is great. We got we got episodes for the rest of the year already figured out. This is this is wonderful. <laughs> so, all right. So, they the hobbits go to Tom Bombadil, listen to him sing a whole bunch. Finally, mm -hmm. head off to the prancing pony. And if you're That's going, none of the let's not forget the giant meal that they get to enjoy. And yeah, you're, you're not in the Wiki that was not in the Wikipedia article. So please, you're missing, you're missing a bunch of stuff. <laughs> well, I let, mean, let me just say, let me let me just say real quick that uh, if you're like me and bear, you know you have no memory, but you have seen the uh, Peter Jackson movies repeatedly, uh, they totally wrote Pom Pom Tom out of <laughs> the Peter Jackson movies. 
which uh, a lot of nerds had were very angry about. You, you know, yes, we were. If there's one thing nerds do, uh, react. <laughs> Man, I know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> nerds never overreact to film adaptations of their favorite books. <laughs> so, never. nerds were very never. upset. Um, with this. So, uh, so we're not even at the prancing pony, which by the way, is like the, like the first scene, not in the Shire, more or less in the movie. So what happened? Tell me about this dinner. (laughs) Well, I mean, the dinner sucks, but I mean, it was pretty big because again, like I, I think oftentimes, you know, if you've ever been Uh, I think friend is too strong a word, but many of us professionally, personally have acquaintances. um, And, and for, for whatever reason, we get invited over to their homes and we think this is going to be awful. Like I just can't stand this person, but at least there'll be fucking dinner. And so I will give one point to Tom Bombadil and that is he keeps them eating so much. They don't have time to reflect on what an awful situation they are. And I'm sure even though it's not in the text, like Tom Bombadil is singing about the gravy, uh, is singing about the, the the fish and kidney pie or whatever he's he's giving to them. Uh, I'm sure like whenever Tom Bombadil starts to sing, like Goldberry like rolls her eyes and like mouths kill me uh, to Marion Pippin. But, you know, being Marion Pippin, they don't know what to do uh, when really like just giving her the sweet release of death. Um, you know, being immortal is not just a privilege. It's also a, a, a sentence, a, a problem. Uh, so so I think I think Goldberry very much represents um, our own souls trapped in the hell that is Earth, that is the material realm, which strangely is run by Tom Bombadil. <laughs> and there's a lot to back up that particular interpretation of the text, except that I don't think the hobbits didn't enjoy themselves. And I will say this because they specifically comment that they ate all they wanted and there was still food left over. That sounds to me like as much of an endorsement as one can get from a hobbit. I mean, I would like to quote uh, or, or cite, actually. Um, that is a point. That is a point. <laughs> that, that, but I, I believe that if you remember um, one of my favorite episodes of, uh, of um, The Simpsons, um, in which Homer Simpson is tortured in hell and the demon says, you like donuts, do you? Well, here's all the donuts in the world. Now, I am not saying that Tom, uh, Tom, uh, uh, Mary, Pippin, Sam, or Frodo are gluttons of the same extent as Homer Simpson. But even though Homer Simpson vanquished the devil, I think having more food than you can eat is not always a, a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> causes a lot of, yeah, if your food goes bad, it causes a lot of anxiety. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I know personally, like, you know, if people keep putting stuff on your plate, like, well, I, I, I got to stop eating, but I, I don't want to be a dick. And Tom Bombadil, this, this sadistic guy is just like putting more and more pine nuts and like badger pudding uh, and, and, you know, like, uh, like creme de Nazgul, like just in front of them. And what are they, what are they going to do? Say, no, Tom Bombadil, you saved us from that tree. We can at least eat all the food you cooked for us. Well, not really you, but your poor sprightly slave Goldberry, who's been slaving over a hot, you know, oven all 
year making mountains of food for no one that will ever come. You know, maybe she's like, Tom, do we have to make so much food today? And he says, no, you know, maybe someone will get stuck in a tree, <laughs> you know, and then that's that's, I think, what their life is like. You know, your Tom Bombadil just now sounded a lot like Santa. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I think Tom Bombadil is very much uh, a character like the Santa uh, in in the death metal Christmases. However, um, he's not endearing or enjoyable in any way. Uh, so, all right. So, so. In the movie. Oh wait, did we get through everything before? No, the we have to talk. Tony? We have to talk the about first... the Barrow, the Barrow yeah, Whites. We get to the Barrow Downs eventually. Okay. Yeah. So. So. Uh, <laughs> all right. So they're in Skyrim, and <laughs> they've seen a cave, and they and they go. Uh, what the, 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 what's that called? So they basically Tom sends them off on their path to Bree, and a fog rolls in, and they get lost. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So Frodo gets separated from Mary Pippin and Sam, and eventually encounters a Barrow White. Was he going into one of the tombs looking for them, I think? I, he goes into the Barrow, yeah. Gets touched by a Barrow White, and we have you know yet another Frodo situation where he goes and falls down. Wakes up, sees all of them in this burial chamber, shrouded in white, and remembers his Tom Bombadil rhyme, which I... Yeah forgotten uh, oh oh I, I can help you out there so he remembers he remembers, he remembers uh, man, so you know, to say so so again i i would just like to intervene here and say like first of all before we even read the rhyme before we even read the rhyme um this is a place where tom bombadil has power so we already know that this is tom bombadil's realm right so tom bombadil very clearly states he only has power in his in his area um so when they leave tom bombadil's house he doesn't say hey be careful of the barrow whites hey don't go into all these barrows that are along the road instead he says if you ever need help if you ever run into any situation whatever that could be please memorize a four-line stanza that says my name three times (laughs) it would be like it would be like if you were um let's let's say you were going to a, a dangerous neighborhood a neighborhood you you've never been before and your friend lives there uh and he says hey you know just just so you know if you ever get into trouble please sing a song that says my name three times and i'll come and help you uh it, it seems like if he was really helpful if he was really the sort of creature whatever tom bombadil is who was concerned about the hobbits or anybody else he would at least have a two-line song that they could sing i mean what happens what happens if you get through the first three lines of this song ho oh, tom bombadil tom bombadillo by water wood and hill by the reed and the widow willow by fire sun and moon hearken now and hear us and you forget, come Tom Bombadil for our near to, need is near us. Like maybe Tom Bombadil hears the first three uh, and he's just like, all right, they're just living life. They're <laughs> loving it. Why doesn't Tom Bombadil just teach them, come Tom Bombadil for our need is near us. It's complete. It tells you everything you need to do. But instead, this sick narcissist is just watching them uh, get get trapped by, by ghosts literal 
ghosts. <laughs> He's letting them all get captured and just waiting on the off chance that they might remember this narcissistic song he taught them. Tom Bombadil doesn't make the rules, right? He, he, he literally does. Only in his... <laughs> No, but he does. He doesn't write the rules of Arda. Let's say maybe he writes the rules in well, his own realm. Well, if you if you watched if you watched the video, Tom, you might know that he might very well do write all, all the laws of Arda. He might very well do, but he also might very well do. <laughs> <laughs> and what I'm saying is, perhaps that kind of invocation does require full four lines, especially okay. if buried underground. So again, so so even if I grant that, even if I I concede, maybe it's some kind of uh, a safety mechanism. You know, when you launch a nuclear missile, uh, there are all kinds of procedures that you go through just so you don't uh, launch it by mistake. So maybe calling upon Tom Bombadil is similar. Like you don't want Tom coming down the road and then like ah, you know, never mind, Tom, I got this. It was just a bush. You know, it's not like it's a tree. Um, but anyway, so maybe. <laughs> Maybe, you know, maybe maybe this is somehow like a safety mechanism or, or like a way for Tom Bombadil uh, to, to, to keep himself from being pulled every which way. This is Tom Bombadil's reassuring response to the hobbits who are captured by ghosts and and and, and tied up in a tomb. Mm hmm. The, 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 all right, if we all remember the films, you know, everything seemed so dire, uh, when, when the hordes of, of, um, of Saruman were, were, were descending on Helm's Deep. Everything seemed lost. And then down from the hill with the blinding sun came the riders of Rohan, and at their head was, was Gandalf the White. You know, amazing, incredible. You know, the cavalry is literally here. Well, I think Tom Bombadil's uh, response to their cries for help in this barrow is just as beautiful and just as stirring. So, so, so uh, let me, let me read. There was a sudden deep silence in which Frodo could hear his heart beating. After a long, slow moment, he heard plain, but far away, as if it was coming down through the ground or through thick walls, an answering voice singing old tom bombadil is a merry fellow bright blue his jacket is and his boots are yellow none has ever caught him yet for tom he is the master his songs are stronger songs and his feet are faster you know that just if i hear that i'm like thank god some some helpful is coming Definitely not like a narcissistic old coot who literally can't not talk about himself, even when I'm literally being threatened by a ghost. <laughs> not just any ghost, mind you, but a warrior king ghost. Like if any ghost knows how to eviscerate a hobbit with his pinky finger, it's the ghosts of the barrows. And yet, you know, old Tom, Tom Bombadil knows there's plenty of time to talk about the color of his boots and jacket. <laughs> now, is it possible that old Tom Bombadil is not but a discorporate spirit until he sings his stupid songs, singing himself into being with his blue jacket and his yellow boots. Yeah, you got to be I, specific I, if you need a corporeal form. 
Precisely. Because otherwise I mean, you have to show up as a naked hobbit. I mean, I guess I guess that's one way to uh, 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 kind of like imagine this. So maybe maybe the narcissism of every Tom Bombadil song is really some kind of like a, a summoning. But if that was the case, if he really was an incorporeal spirit, um, why, why would you choose to fight a white, a, a ghost, a king ghost? Why would you choose a man uh, with hat, feather, and all? Uh, I, I don't think the, the, the form that Tom Bombadil chooses at any point is very helpful. Eh, maybe not. All I'm saying is we never see him coming. You always hear him coming. But, I mean, that's true. But in, 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 in Tom Bombadil's defense, I guess, we are underground in a tomb. Or face first in a tree. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean. So I mean. I. I think. I think. Unfortunately, uh, in this case, we have no idea. Um, I don't know. So, in the movie, <laughs> the, the way it was mm-hmm. handled. This. This is from the Wikipedia for Lord of the Rings: Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, events from the book are condensed or omitted altogether at the beginning of the film. The time between Gandalf leaving the ring to Frodo and returning to reveal its inscription, which is 17 years in the book, is compressed for timing reasons. Uh, In the book, Frodo spends a few months preparing to move to Buckland on the eastern border of the Shire. This move is omitted, and associated events, including the involvement of Merry and Pippin, are charged, changed, and combined with him setting out for Bree. Characters such as Tom Bombadil and the incidents in the Old Forest and the Barrow Downs are left out to simplify the plot and increase the threat of the ring wraiths. Such sequences are left out to make time to introduce Saruman, who does not appear in the book until Gandalf's account at the end of the Council of Elrond. I love the idea of Peter Jackson sitting down going, we don't want to make this one too long. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think of all those films, I think we can always be uh, re- amazed at Peter Jackson's ability to tell a story of immense complexity concisely and quickly. So the very fact that someone like... Quite. The very fact that someone like Peter Jackson, who took almost as many movies to tell the story of The Hobbit as he did The Lord of the Rings, uh, despite the fact of the two sizes of these works, um, tells us everything we need to know. Peter Jackson uh, is not like some Hollywood suit. I've seen other Peter Jackson films. Uh, They're awful and they are long. Um, But, you know, uh, in this case, you know, sometimes lightning hits and strikes in a bottle. And in this case, even someone like Peter Jackson, who said, you know, it's very important. We show the rock they walk by when they're on their way to the mines of Moria. You know, this is important to the text. Even even How Peter Jackson knows. Otherwise, even Peter Jackson knows Tom Bombadil gotta go. So he's incongruous to the greater story as it developed, right? And uh, Tim, it sounded like you had a question. Oh, I was just gonna say, how important can this character be if in an unlo- the entire running time of all of 
all the extended editions of Lord of the Rings is about 11 and a half hours. How important could this character be if you can so easily omit him from 11 and a half hours of movie? So to the plot, utterly inconsequential, right? Tom is a is a dead end when it comes to furthering the, the plot of the story of the War of the Ring. He, but formalistically, I think he serves a much greater purpose. And that is that he is really the last bastion of hope and familiarity and safety that the hobbits encounter before Rivendell, which, while the last homely house, is still a big different experience for these hobbits. You know, who the reader is meant to identify with, who is the subject of the hero's quest, if I can use that term. And that kind of respite, that oasis in Tom Bombadil's house, and we can, of course, differ as to how, uh, you know, how much of a reprieve that was versus a burden. Uh, It serves an important point in the overall form of the Lord of the Rings when seen as myth rather than as modern fiction with a plot. Uh, See now, now here's why Dave is entirely wrong. First of all, there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing safe about their time with Tom Bombadil. It begins with the trauma of being stuck in an evil tree and ends with the trauma of being stuck in a grave. Tom Bombadil brings nothing but trouble. Uh, you know, if if Tom Bomb, you know, honestly, I think. The War of the Ring would have turned out a lot better if if Merry and Pippin had just spent the entire war in that tree. You know, I think all kinds of mishaps and and, and misunderstandings uh, would have been, you know, would have been needlessly uh, avoided. Yeah, more but, never would have happened. But I, I think there's someone else who got really tired of, of Tom Bombadil, and that man's name is J.R.R. Tolkien. So, so here's, some, here's some things. So, so it's very clear that, that Tom Bombadil has some potential role to play. He's, he's very much, he's talked about all throughout the Council of Enrond for Elrond, for example, right? Uh, we could give it to Tom Bombadil. Oh, what about Tom Bombadil? You know, Tolkien tends to talk about things that he's he's forecasting out, but Tolkien is also, frankly, lazy, um, and I think we can see this in many points of his narrative. Tom, to, uh, Tolkien is like very much like he's kind of the quintessential fantasy writer who's much more concerned about building his world than actually writing anything that's actually consumable. Uh, And if you've ever read the Silmarillion or any of the Lost Tales or any of those really awful, like reconstructed things that have come out, uh, what the children of Hurin, I believe, you know, that 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 (laughs) Tolkien's Tolkien's genius is not so much as a storyteller, but as a world builder. So so I actually think it's very telling that even Tolkien is sick and tired of Tom Bombadil by the time we get to return of the king uh after the war oh yeah we we actually got to stop here because our time is up so we're going to continue this on the next episode of podcast them down thanks for listening to podcast them down you can find burning shadows eisenmore and recently vacated waves on Bandcamp, as well as facebook along with fade the black metallica tribute and podcast them down itself Until next time, keep it metal.